Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Pre-Med Year, session number 525. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a great guest today, also named Ryan, and he's going to share how, as a reapplicant, he got into med school with a 3.18 GPA. Before we jump in, though, I want to talk about the MCAT Minute brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Did you know that you have to know where you're starting from on your MCAT journey? That's why a diagnostic test is super important. A lot of students are scared to take them because of the, the poor score that you're going to get. But that score is not a predictor of how well you're going to do on the MCAT. It's just a starting point. Just like with your GPS, you have to give it a starting location so that it knows how to tell you where to go. That's how you should use your diagnostic. Go get access to a free diagnostic and a free full length from Blueprint MCAT over at blueprintmcat.com. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. All right, we have Ryan who... You can find him on Instagram. He's official Ryan, R-Y-X-N, as well as official Ryan Med on TikTok. He's also a blueprint tutor, by the way. You can go, go find him again, official Ryan, R-Y-X-N, Med on TikTok. Let's go and jump into his story. Ryan, welcome to the pre-med years. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm happy to be here. How are you, Dr. Gray? I'm wonderful. I'm excited uh, to chat with you because as we were just discussing before we hit record, you are the person that I keep in mind every single time when I tell students, ignore your GPA, you're fine. Ignore it, you're fine. You're gonna do fine. And I'm excited to, to hear your story and hopefully share with other students that I'm not out here just making crap up. That <laughs> What I'm saying is... Uh, at least anecdotally true, um, yeah. as much as we can prove it. Um, when did you first realize you wanted to be a doctor? So it was it was kind of a long and extended journey. I always knew I wanted to be a part of medicine, but you know it started as biomedical engineering, which is what I did in undergrad. And as I continued to get injured in hockey, which is the sport I played, I realized how much I might want to try out taking care of others. 
So I explored a number of medical fields mm -hmm. and that's kind of when I started to fall in love with taking care of patients and that sort of thing. So I continued to explore and realize that being a physician was the right path for me based on, you know, a number of things, including my personality and you know, how I wanted to interact with these patients. And I think that was around uh, my junior year of okay. undergrad, right when my GPA started to turn around. Okay. Oh, so you're yeah. one of those as well. Okay. I I'm excited. Why biomedical engineering? What what was it about the medical fields from from the industry potentially standpoint that was interesting to you? So my grandmother had a stroke when I was 15, and that's what piqued my interest in the medical field in general. Yeah. Um, now, because of that, I kind of got involved in research, and I started to realize how much I liked creating things yeah. for the medical field. So there's where the biomedical engineering kind of came in. Are, um, are either of your parents engineers? No, my dad's an orthopedic surgeon, oh, okay. um, which, you know, I remember on another thing, you mentioned that you were considering orthopedic yep. surgery back when you were uh, in medical school. But uh, I really, really liked kind of the, the thought process behind creating something that could save lives. And I wasn't positive on medicine. And my dad was not giving me good feedback on what it's like to be a medical professional. So I was hesitant towards going good, straight. Good feedback that. as in he was discouraging you from pursuing medicine? Yes. Okay. Um, so I kind of had to find my own way towards you know this profession and realize that this was truly my passion yeah. Um, yeah. because he was not a cheerleader per se <laughs> yeah. the, of, of me heading into the medical profession. Yeah. So I, I started my journey with kind of creating things for the medical field and I loved it, but I, I realized that I much would rather take care of people and have that direct patient interaction, yeah. which I didn't have for my biomedical engineering uh, degree or the background following that. What was it as you were going through that process, right? You're, you're taking all your math classes, your engineering classes, hanging out with all the other engineering nerds. What was it that gave you some sort of doubt that you weren't in the right place? I would say that for the most part, I'm not saying there isn't exceptions. Engineers are very introverted and I've always considered myself very extroverted. I love being around people. I love interacting with people. And I had plenty of friends within the engineering major. It's just they wouldn't want to go out and have fun on weekends <laughs> and they wouldn't want to, you know, do like a nice little wine night once we turn 21 or any of those little things. And I had so many friends outside the major and a lot of them happened to be pre-meds. It was just coincidental. Like I, I didn't yeah. do that on purpose, but I, I started to get more insight into the field and what it might be like and, you know, what drew them towards medicine yeah. and that paired with my own injury recovery during those first two years from hockey kind of led me towards exploring it more. Got it. You said you explored some other career fields, uh, similar to my path. I was injured playing sports. Physical therapy was an easy one to look at. What, yeah. what were you looking at for other fields? So I, I looked at nursing. I looked at uh, PA uh, I looked at physical therapy. Um, I would say those are the main ones. I did shadow an MP as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, the biggest thing that I noticed is in a lot of those fields, I didn't get to necessarily do as many things as I would have liked to have done. Like, you know, as a physician, you are the leading expert on whatever your specialty is. 
and you work with these teams and you get to be the leader on these teams mm -hmm. and help guide them to provide amazing patient care. Whereas in a lot of these other settings, I didn't feel like I fit, my personality fit well into the role yeah. and that it fit my goals as a future medical professional um, perfectly. But having that exploration prior to applying to med school really helped me kind of build my story around why I needed to be a physician and not something else. Got it. So you've been very transparent on, on TikTok, where I think is where I, I found you originally yeah. about your quote unquote, low GPA, 3.18 yeah. GPA. Yeah. And that is with a fabulous upward trend. So I'm assuming when you started this upward trend, you were probably in the high twos, probably mid two twos, six. two six, mid twos. There you go. Yeah. What gave you the, the motivation, the encouragement, the permission to even go, oh yeah, I can, I can go to med school with this 2.6 GPA. So it's actually kind of like a, a little bit of a Cinderella story. I, my motivation, I was working at NIH one of the summers after my sophomore year and uh, Dr. Glimshire from uh, the Dana-Farber Institute came to give a talk and I talked to her briefly after the talk. I got, you know, some of her insight on the future of cancer treatment and stuff like that. And this and is, this is pre-decision to go to med school? Pre-decision to go okay. to med school. Okay. Um, and she uh, said to me at the end of our conversation, she goes, oh, so you're planning to apply to med school. <laughs> like, I think, I think you're, you're very smart. You'd be, you know, a great future physician. I'm like, no, I, I just don't think my grades are high enough. Um, I don't, I don't know if I can do it. And she goes, trust me, based on this conversation, <laughs> you'll be just fine. Yeah. And that wasn't necessarily the only thing that led me towards, you know, turning my GPA around. I, I also, you know, was seeing, you know, uh, you know, psychiatrist, I was working with my academic advisor. There's a lot of things that I had to get back on track in order to, you know, pull my life back together and fix my GPA. But that's kind of the, the push that made me realize, yes, I can do this. Um, it's it's interesting, right? Seeing a psychiatrist, academic advisor, low GPA, going down a path originally where you're not sure if you're supposed to be on the path. How much of everything going on do you think was potentially related to, I have no idea where I fit in this world yet? I think a lot of it uh, definitely was because, you know, I was still in the closet when I was during my first. So even years. more stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like, you know, there was, there was family stuff going on. And like, so there was all these different things kind of like playing into why I wasn't able to fully focus on school. Got it. Um, and I, I was figuring myself out. Like I, there was so much going on internally yeah. that you can't necessarily um, predict by just looking at someone. I remember some of my friends were so surprised when out of nowhere, I had a three, nine, eight, the next <laughs> semester. Like, you can't do that. You can't get straight A's. Yeah. But you know, not everyone sees that other side. And I think the biggest thing that kind of helped me along this journey is being so honest with myself about what I was going through mm -hmm. and even trying to showcase that on my application. What do you think was the the first thing that led to, oh, I'm not a 2.6 student. I'm a, I am pretty much a 4.0 student. Was it that doctor at the NIH giving you permission to be smart? Was it clearing your plate of all of the other baggage that you were carrying and going, okay, I'm going to focus on this now? Was it just, oh yeah, I am meant to be a doctor? 
what do you think it was that ultimately was that that switch? Honestly, NIH giving me a chance mm. made me realize that I I was smart enough. I was, you know, capable enough because I had a really low GPA. So the fact that I even got the position had a lot to do with like, yes, it had to do with the research I did, you know, prior to that and mm. that I'd proven that I was a, you know, a decent researcher. But I saw it as, okay, I'm surrounded by all these very, very intellectual people. And they deemed that I was supposed to be here. One so of them. You're one of them. Yeah. yeah. And that is, I mean, just that statement alone yeah. is why representation matters so much. Like if you can see yourself amongst a peer group of people that you didn't yeah. think you belonged in, like, uh, like, uh, anyway, um, yeah. Awesome. It's, it's definitely one of those like magical moments though, because like part of why I started a TikTok is I wanted people that were in my shoes. Cause I remember how many days that I was like crying, thinking I'd never get into med school mm-hmm. or that I was like, you know, freaking out while studying for the MCAT because I knew I needed to smash it with what my GPA <laughs> was. Yeah. Um, and like, even like after taking the MCAT every week waiting for my score, I convinced myself I was okay with a lower score. Like, and everyone experiences these things, but like, I want to be as transparent as possible about what I was going through because sometimes seeing someone else going through it, like to your representation matters, like seeing someone else that's in your shoes, that's made it, that's, yeah gotten to the other side is so encouraging when you feel like there's no hope yeah what did your dad say when you were like okay i'm going to med school i know that you're poo-pooing it but i I need to do it my dad was very very supportive um which surprised me a little bit but he (laughs) he was like you found your own way to medicine love it and i know you're truly passionate about it because you're not doing it because i did it yep you're doing it because you found that you truly love this. And like, even just talking to me, he was like, yeah, I can tell that you're passionate about this. So you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I love it. And, and I wonder how much of his discouragement was to force you to find your own path versus true. I mean, there's plenty of, of, of uh, rumblings yeah. in, in healthcare and medicine and, and stuff. So that's very interesting. Yeah. You start to turn your, your path around. And I'm sure being an engineer, you you did all the calculations. You're like, if I get a 4.0, you got your little slide rule out, 4.0 and 60 credits, 80 credits, whatever. Your GPA is not going to move much. And you got yeah. it up to a 3.18. You go onto the MSAR, you go onto school's websites and you go, oh, their median GPA is a 3.7. <laughs> their, their average is a 3.6. Why, why... Why have um, the the confidence that you're going to get in? Or maybe you didn't have any confidence. You're like, I'm screwed. <laughs> so I would say initially, because um, I've applied twice, I would say initially I had blind confidence okay. a little bit. You know, um, I had a very, very strong MCAT score. I was very fortunate to score a 521 on the MCAT. Um, which, which did help a little bit with that confidence because yep. when you use that very misleading chart, cause it doesn't factor in your story, yep. it does increase your chances very, very heavily. Um, even with how low my GPA was, so that helped a little bit. Um, much like you, I don't like that chart with the, you know, the GPA and MCAT because <laughs> there's so many pieces missing. The one that I went off on Jenna with. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But that 
chart, believe it or not, did give me some confidence because knowing that more than just one person got in with those stats really did help. Um, And I wasn't just an antidote, like, you know, like everything you were preaching about, there are students that get in every year with those stats. So the thing I focused on from there was my story. And I, I focused on what really drew me to medicine and what themes are there within my application that indicate passions I have and then really focus on those passions and explain how these extracurriculars allowed me to follow them and how I want to continue to do that during medical school and how it could be a vehicle for that. Two application cycles. What happened the first time, do you think? Um, So I did did very well the first time, especially considering my stats. I had an interview and I had a wait list. Um, I I didn't get off the the wait list, which, you know, it happens. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the fact that even just the first time that I had that, you know, I consider that very, very successful considering where I was. Yeah. Um, The biggest mistake I think I made the first application cycle is I didn't wait until I fully finished my master's. Um, I did a special master's program. I did very, very, very well in the special master's program. But I didn't have that on my application the yep. first time they reviewed it. It had such to be a common mistake. Yeah. 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 So, so keep going. That definitely impacted, I think, a lot on my application, yeah. especially with how strong my performance was yeah. in the mask. Before the SMP, what did the trends look like from your undergraduate classes? So I had, I think, a 2-4 my first year. I had a two six my second year. So it was already getting better. So it helps the trend. <laughs> Skyrocket. Uh, <laughs> and then I think it went to a three seven one and a three nine one the last year. Um, so you had a very strong junior senior year, yeah. roughly 60 ish credits, uh, typically yeah. junior senior year. Why do an SMP? So the biggest reason that I did a special master's program, and let me preface by saying that I, I wish I had done a post-bac. Part of the reason I hadn't done a post-bac is there was not many science classes left for me to take. Yep. So I wasn't sure exactly what I would do during the post-bac. Um, but as I've continued to do research and learn more about the process, your undergrad GPA is very, very important to yep. medical schools, regardless of how well you in, uh, you perform in a special master's program. Um, but I did the SMP essentially to reassure schools that I was fully prepared for medical school because I had three years of performing at that level because I had a five-year degree. So the junior, senior year was really three years of classes, okay. but, or two years of classes split up into three years. So for three years, I'd been performing at that level. So I felt if I had an additional year, of me performing at that level, there's their consistency that they're looking for. Four years of performing at a a very, very high level, which reassures them that you can handle medical school. Yeah. You're you're the very, uh, I think, stereotypical case. If you came to me, which a lot of students do, uh, and said, okay, uh, I scheduled a 30-minute call with you. Here are my grades. What do I do? I would be very hesitant to say, you need a post-bac, you need an SMP. I would probably have said, hey, you treated your junior, senior year as your post back. Go for it, right? Apply, crush your MCAT, yeah. assuming you hadn't taken it already. It's You were kind of in that, that uh, uh, kind of no man's land in terms of 
yes, you definitely should. No, you definitely shouldn't. And it's hard, right? And and luckily, yeah. I'm assuming um, doing an SMP wasn't, f- it's obviously very expensive, but not not terrible yeah. for you in your specific situation. Um, so that helps. Yeah. And it's it's just a year. At the end of the day, it's, it's another year. It is a lot of money. Um, and uh, typically where I come from, I'm usually more conservative when, recommending, oh yeah, you're ready to apply. And yes, of course, go do an SMP, crush it. And you're probably going to, to give a lot of confidence to the medical schools that you're going to be just fine academically. So, and that's seems like where you ended up. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a very successful application cycle since it's not over. I won't disclose, you know, any school names or anything like that. But what's kind of funny is the one school that I interviewed at that I got rejected at is the SMP Really? That is the only school post-interview I've been rejected at. Wow, that's interesting. And was the SMP basically the first year of med school? Yes. Yeah, interesting. That's Um, a bummer. Now, I will preface, my my uncle died right before that interview, so I think that that might have had a little bit to do with, you know, my interview performance. But hey, (laughs) I'm not complaining. I, I got in. We, we have plenty of options for picking where I want to go to med school, which I'm beyond blessed to uh, be in that situation and no complaints. You know, yeah. I'm going to end up where I end up. Yeah. How many interviews this application cycle? Five so far. Five interviews. How many acceptances so far? Four. Four acceptances, five interviews. And I believe you said you have another interview coming up. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. So hopefully five interviews six interviews, five acceptances, uh, is, yeah. is the goal. Um, yeah. and you can, you can pick and then that's four spots for someone else when you turn down the other schools. <laughs> yeah, no. And it, it, the thing that makes it so hard is I, w- I was blessed with so many great schools that interviewed me that it's going to be a very difficult decision when I have to pick, but, yeah. um, I'm, I'm very, I'm very much considering the financial component because yeah. especially after a special master's program, which was so expensive, Yep. Whatever school is giving me the best <laughs> offer be very attractive. <laughs> yeah. How much did your GPA come up in interviews? Every single one. Yeah. Every single interview. But they didn't approach it as, oh my God, your GPA <laughs> is so low. What they approached it as is, how did you turn it around? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they already know you turned it around. Right, yeah. they're not going to go. uh Oh, why did you suck so bad? <laughs> they're gonna be like, what happened? What what happened here? Uh, and yeah. and how are you prepared to answer that question? So the biggest thing that I focused on is just being as transparent as possible. So I don't think bringing up you know negative things that have happened to you is necessarily problematic as long as you quickly spin it to the positive. Mm. So I would mention everything I went through during those first two years and then talk about how I fixed it and how it's no longer an issue that I'm currently combating and how I'm going to make sure it stays that way as I continue through my medical education. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. When you look back at your journey so far, the the short little journey you've been on, (laughs) what is the biggest mistake that you've made? I would say the biggest mistake was not doing a post back instead of a special master's so program. So an undergraduate level post back, just to, to be a little yeah. more specific there. Okay. Yes. Um, because I, I did some math, which was probably not fruitful given that I 
successfully gone through the application cycle. Yeah. But I could have had my GPA sitting at around a 3.6, 3.7 if I had just done a year taking roughly the same amount of credits that med school classes would take up time-wise. Yeah. Um, like, like the S&P, so like 24-ish credits of undergrad classes a semester. Um, it would have been a very, very competitive GPA. Um, now, obviously... It's not going to change what I did the first two years. I'm still going to have to explain that. I'm interested to hear you say that, or or I'm surprised to hear you say that rather, because you still had a very successful application cycle. The GPA wasn't an issue. Yes. But what I will say is many of my mentors said that I would have likely been a lot more competitive at much more competitive schools. Given my MCAT score and the rest of my application being so strong, had my undergrad GPA been more solid. And I'm very, very thankful for every acceptance I have. And I'm, I'm so thankful to be on this side of things. And I, I got into some phenomenal schools, but they, they think I would have been a lot more competitive at like very, very, very high ranked schools had I done the post back. So if I had to pick a regret, that would be the only regret because the specialties I'm interested in are very, very competitive specialties. So it doesn't hurt. Yeah, I don't know. Our our conversation got derailed when we started talking about rankings and stuff. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> stupid U.S. News and World Reports. Look, uh, I yeah. I love I love the fact that medical schools in this country are not like law schools, where where you go matters. Yeah, med schools yeah. where you go matters very 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 little, uh, which is yeah. phenomenal. I, I love that. So, uh, wherever you go, wherever you get accepted, work your butt off, network, yeah. um, and and you'll be fine for whatever specialty you're you're interested in. So that's awesome. Yeah. When you look at your application specifically, having gone through the application cycle twice, looking just at the nuts and bolts and format of the application, what could you have immediately improved with your first application cycle? Was it was it writing style? Was it focus? What, what do you think it was with that first application? I have a big thing that I could have improved. So I started a nonprofit back in 2020. Mm. Um, so I saw a need with COVID that there was a very large discrepancy in the access to vaccines and stuff like that within um, underserved communities. And I noticed that this is not just solo to you know COVID, but yeah. just in general, healthcare is not as prevalent in these communities. And I wanted to do something about it. Um, I didn't include that on my first application because I had such imposter syndrome about it because I'm like, I don't know if I've done enough. You know, like, I don't know if I've had enough <laughs> I, of it. I didn't cure one billion people. I don't know. <laughs> um, meanwhile, I raised probably twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 at that point, wow. which is a decent impact. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I supported local free clinics. I was even starting to recruit physicians so I could launch a virtual free clinic to help these patients. Mm. And I, I, for some reason, I just didn't put it on my application at all. And I didn't send updates about it. And it's, it's something that's truly central to the passions that I have within medicine. Like I want to work with these communities and create like accessible healthcare within these communities. So I was missing a pretty central piece of my application the second cycle in the first cycle so it it, 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 it's not that it completely changed my story it's just 
there was less support for these things that I was saying. Yeah. Cause they didn't have that piece. Yeah. So I think that if I had included that, um, GPA stuff aside, I think I would have been a, a little bit more competitive of an applicant just because of how central to my story it was. I don't think it matters that it was a nonprofit that I started. Um, but I think more of the fact of what I was doing with the nonprofit being so important to what I want to do as a physician was very helpful the second application cycle. So you mentioned coming out of the closet earlier, which uh, I'm a fan of like, why do we even have to say that? But anyway, um, being a member of the LGBT community, um, how much of that went into your application? Because I get questions a lot of, I am a member uh, of the queer community. Do I bring it up on my application? Do I not bring it up on my application? Will it hurt me? Will it help me? What was your thought process there with with bringing it into your application, if you did at all? So I definitely brought it up on my application. I was not scared to. Um, the way I kind of approached it is any school that would exclude me because of that, I don't really want to go to anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd be... I'd feel accepted the same way. So, you know, any school that's throwing my application out because of that, I didn't worry about it because I don't think that that would be the right school for me anyway. Um, Now, what I will say is I didn't force it. Like I didn't go, oh my God, look at me. I'm a gay male. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I talked about the adversity that I faced as a result of discrimination that I got Mm -hmm. from being a gay male. Um, Like I had a couple PIs that, you know, treated me slightly differently, but I talked about instead how I overcame it, not focusing on the negative of, oh, I experienced X, Y, Z. I, I focus on, okay, so this is what I did to overcome it. You know, yeah. meeting with the PI, talking about it, you know, educating them a little bit about, you know, the LGBTQ plus community and yeah. they were really receptive. So like, that's a great story. And those, versus- those conversations are coming up or those specific stories are coming up. I'm assuming in secondaries that are talking about yeah. adversity stuff that you've overcome. Okay. Yes. So it's not like in the middle of your personal statement. Oh, by the way, I want to, <laughs> I want to tell you about something. Yes. Uh, I, I use my personal statement exclusively to talk about like my journey to medicine Perfect. and yes, being gay slightly came up because like, yeah. it's like, that's what I overcame during the journey. But it wasn't like I had a whole paragraph on it. It was more of like, okay, yeah. this is one of the things I was battling with. And then this is where I, you know, led from there. Um, whereas my secondaries, I was able to kind of unpack it more, especially when they asked about, you know, what diversity do you bring to the class? Yep. Um, and I talked about my experiences as a gay male and how that could, you know, help raise awareness within the entire class when treating, you know, homosexual or trans or any LGBTQ plus patient. Yeah. Because I think we need a lot more understanding in that realm and it's getting better, but the more we include everything that we possibly can to make a class diverse, the better it's going to get. hundred percent. So I, I love your line of thinking about bringing it up and not worrying about what the med school is going to do. That's my general advice. If someone says, should I mention my learning disability? Should I mention yeah. my sexual orientation? Should I mention my, whatever it is in your life? I, I have two answers. You can avoid talking about it and end up in a situation where you realize at some point during medical school, you need some support around whatever it is about who you are. And, and you find yeah. out that the school is not going to support you because of their, their own prejudice. Or mm-hmm. you bring it up, you be transparent, you be open about it. And yes, there are people out there who are biased, who are prejudiced, who are bigoted, who are whatever. 
and they may throw your application out. There's nothing that you can do about that. Is it illegal? Sure. But but you, will you be able to prove it? No. Um, and, and you go, you know what? Thank you. You did me a favor. I don't want to be in that that environment anyway, which is the my recommendation for students. And then ultimately it's their decision to, to go down. So hundred percent. And especially when I applied so broadly across the country, um, I didn't necessarily know how they would receive, you know, rec- yeah. that information, you know, because, because just because a particular area is not exactly accepting of it doesn't mean the school itself is not, yeah. you know? So like, I, I felt that there was no harm in throwing it in there because I'd rather avoid that situation, as you said, yeah. versus putting myself in it. How much does that affect your your school list now that you have multiple acceptances? Are you going to do a deeper dive into what does the surrounding community look like? Um, I, I had to have a conversation with a student I worked with a couple of years ago. She was uh, uh, a black woman, uh, immigrant. She was, she was from Africa. Um coming to this country, excelling phenomenally and getting into a school in the South. And I'm like, that school has been on probation several times for their lack of diversity. The surrounding area is not super supportive of people like you. And she's like, yes. And, uh, I really like the school. (laughs) Right. And, and you just have to be aware. How how much is that going into your decision matrix? So I'm very fortunate that every school I've been accepted to so far, except for one, um, is in a uh, urban setting. So typically in those settings, they're very, very accepting of, you know, the LGBTQ plus community. They're usually very diverse, yep. um, which is the exact environment that I want to train in because I want a diverse class, but I also want a diverse patient population because as a physician, I'm going to be treating patients from a regard, like a ton, a ton of backgrounds. And I want to be prepared for that when I enter residency and when I enter being an attending versus seeing it for the first time when I <laughs> go to a hospital somewhere that's much more diverse. So I would say that part is factoring more into my decision, like the diverse patient population, the diverse um, you know, class, more the than the LGBTQ plus awareness thing, because of all my schools, I don't think there's any that are in a location where I feel unsafe. Yeah. If you could go back and, and talk to first year Ryan and, and give first year Ryan some advice, what would, what advice would that be? Not stall getting help and admitting that you needed help much quicker because if I had only screwed up my first year, it would have been a lot less painful of a number. <laughs> yeah. And, and is that academic help or the academic and psychological and uh, it all? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to give a little bit more context, I, uh, I got injured really, really bad in hockey and I could barely walk mm. for a good majority of my first year. Um, and I, I very easily could have sought help immediately because I was getting medical care that entire time, physical therapy, all of that. And I was in such close contact to medical professionals. Like I could have sought it out, um, but I didn't realize I needed it at the time. So I would have started with the, the, the psychiatrist or psychologist and kind of talking through everything I'm going through. Cause it's a lot, you know, even if you don't have, you know, a formal mental health diagnosis to go through all of that is going to have a massive impact on your, you know, mental health. <laughs> I got two therapists. Like therapy is like yeah. a godsend. <laughs> yeah. 
it's amazing to be able to talk through it and realize that you're human, you know, yep. like realize that it's okay to feel these emotions. Yep. Um, and it really helped me. Um, and I, like, I still see my therapist like at least once a week, if not twice a week, <laughs> even though I feel great on yep. a regular basis. Yeah. It's just, it's very helpful to get it all out. So I, I would have told myself to do that sooner. And I, I definitely would have sought out my academic advisor sooner because she yep. was a godsend. She literally is part of the reason that I was able to turn it around so quickly because she sat down for an hour and a half with me and talked about study strategies. And we figured out what works best for me, how to plan out my day. She literally turned me into one of the most, uh, the most efficient time management people nice. that I've ever met. And over the course of like three weeks, just because she met with me so consistently. And like, if I didn't have access to that, I can't even imagine what this process would have been like. For the student listening, as we wrap up here, what do you say to them? They're, they're struggling, whether it's with their sexual identity, their academic performance, their, their uncertainty about their career path, whether, whether or not they want to be a doctor or a physical therapist or whatever. What do you, what do you say to them to encourage them to keep moving forward? So the biggest thing I would say to them is you can do it. Number one, I, I, there were so many moments during my own journey where I was uncertain. I felt hopeless. I, I felt like it wasn't going to happen. And then the minute that first acceptance was in my inbox, all of that changed. What was that and like? You got to hold on to that, you know, that moment in the future that you're working towards and keep working towards it. Keep exploring, keep doing things that you like because it'll all fall into place. Like I tell pre-meds, stop worrying about the application. You're not applying yet. Okay. Yep. Do things you like. Yep. And then it'll all fall into place later. Cause these admissions committees, all my interviews talked about, oh my God, you have this huge passion for, you know, working in underserved communities and all that. They barely asked until later in the interview about, okay, so what led you to medicine? They were yep. so excited about the things that I seemed passionate about. And that was majority of the interview. Yep. So like do what you love and explore things and figure out what that is and then worry about all the rest because it'll all fall into place. Who was the first person you told when you got that first acceptance? I, um, <laughs> I ran and hugged my coworker because I was down in the animal facility <laughs> with her <laughs> when I got it. And I was like jumping up and down and uh, I was wearing like full PPE because I had to, I had to for the animal facility. And I was like, I don't care how unsterile this is. I'm giving you a hug. Um, and then I immediately called my mom. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was a truly surreal experience, especially given how long the journey was. You know, given that I've been out of school for three years, and you know, I had a five year undergrad, and it started after the second year. So it, it's been about like six years so far, um, which is, I think, similar to Jen's journey. <laughs> Um, so she and I talked about it and we, we had very similar reactions where we were just jumping for joy. Yeah. And Jen, Jen, who you're talking about is Jen led the pre-med on TikTok. Uh, she was on the pre-med years just a couple episodes before this one. So yeah, Ryan, thanks for uh, so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. It was a pleasure, Dr. Gray. And I, uh, I really hope that a couple more pre-meds with my stats will be encouraged to apply and shoot their shot because I would love to meet every single one of them when they finally get in. All right, there we have it. Again, Ryan, you can find him official Ryan Med with X instead of an A for Ryan 
on TikTok, official Ryan on Instagram, again, X instead of an A for Ryan. And I mentioned the Blueprint MCAT Minute earlier. Ryan is a Blueprint MCAT tutor. So if you're looking for some MCAT prep, maybe Ryan is your go-to. Again, a reapplicant, 3.18 GPA. Storytelling is huge. I hope you learned something today. And don't forget, don't be scared about that diagnostic. Go take it for free right now at blueprintmcat.com. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.